if I'm supporting myself, I'm able to state my conviction and my belief calmly without attacking the belief of others and without defending myself. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast, uh, as opposed to, I'm not sure why, but the emotional, just well, emotional sobriety that mind yours, uh, uh, or we should say in pursuit of emotional sobriety. I'm Tom Rutledge back here with uh, our, our producer, uh, Patrick Newman and uh, the good Dr. Alan Berger. How are you guys doing? I'm in Nebraska right now. I'm in a little town called Grand Island, Nebraska. And I flew in yesterday. That's ironic. A, 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 a Nebraska and a, t- a town named Island. I know. It's like, you know, it's like <laughs> irony about it. Trust me. Well, I mean, where's the like beach, the man? Why to me? When I got here, I said, what happened? Where where's, did Island go? where's the beach, man? <laughs> Sounds like it should be a resort where, where Jaws. Yeah. Should- filmed that right <laughs> grand island resort jaws for yeah and 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 now these are these are sharks that have been now mutated by all the contaminants. Well, now, now we're back to now we're back to saturday night live land shark is like <laughs> <laughs> you remember when those those uh shark nato films came out oh god yes huh what did they do about five of those things oh there's a lot of yeah there were a lot of i've heard patrick knows more about that he's a he's the film buff among us but it's it's like it's like and i and i have never watched all of them but i i have watched some of of, you know just flipping around i mean they they are they are they are hilarious (laughs) i think the last one i watched is that one of the sharks ate a pregnant lady whole and mm-hmm. she delivered the baby while she was inside the shark. And then somehow they shot the shark and brought it back to Earth. And because it was in outer space, because yeah, sure. somehow these were related to aliens. <laughs> I don't know. How they because, well, because it was a sequel. So we had to, we had to go out. <laughs> you have to go to space for sequels. <laughs> oh, it was, it was hilarious. What, what about those, Patrick? Sharknados. How many have you watched? There's at least five. And, you know, you guys had me thinking about. Um, Michael Caine was in a Jaws sequel. Um, I think uh, he was in Jaws: The Revenge, and oh, really? he was he was asked in an interview about, um, you know, have you seen Jaws: The Revenge? He's like, you know, I've not seen Jaws: The Revenge, and by all accounts, it is terrible. However, I have seen the house that it built, and it's fantastic. <laughs> One of my favorite Caneisms. I love. He's a practical man. It's like I like it. One of my favorite actors, Michael Caine. Well, what, where are we? Uh, where, where are we on on the on the Dr. Allen Berger book? Realizing that nobody is coming, and I think um, you know uh, this would be a good opportunity for us to talk about um, emotional uh, self support 
rather than environmental support. Well, that's good because, you know, one of the things I, 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 and you guys tell me if this fits into, I think this fits into this category. It's like, you know, when I'm talking to people about recovery and when I say recovery, I don't mean just addiction recovery. I just mean, you know, that recovery, just recovery mindset, that, that pursuit, that pursuit of being better of, of, in our, in our terms, emotional sobriety of being, uh, being the best version of ourselves we can be. We're like our cell phones or anything else that has a rechargeable battery. It's like what we need to be able to do ultimately is hold the charge. You know, we never need to be away from, from, from support altogether. That, 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 that idea, you know, most of us have stories of trying to be, you know, the battery that doesn't need to be charged, but it's, Ever it's ready like, battery or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the bunny, but it's, 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 but, but we, you know, sometimes, I mean, and, you know, we have to, we have to find our way to, to, to be regularly charged, but the idea is we do have to be able to hold that charge. And it, and it's like, and that's that self-support to me. It's the idea of, of the building that intrapersonal, um, um, landscape that, that, that those interpersonal relationships that are there to support us where, well, to, to, to use, you know, one of, uh, your lines, uh, Alan, that I told somebody yesterday and they just they they loved it. And it was just because it's so catchy and, and easy to remember the, the the best the best of us in charge of the rest of us. Yeah. yeah, right on, right on. No, and that's what we're really looking to do. And as you're saying, when we say that that let's say emotional sobriety is transcending environmental support to self-support, we're not saying that we don't need anyone. L let me read you something from Murray Bowen. Murray Bowen was, the, was a psychiatrist who brought in a very different way of looking at human behavior than existed when he became a psychiatrist. Everything when he became a psychiatrist was dominated by psychoanalytic thought or behavioral thought, right? Mm -hmm. It was either behaviorism or psychoanalytic. And he came in and he was really, I would call him the first person to introduce the concept of evolution into psychology okay. and how evolution shapes us and, and shapes our behavior. And, he, and because of that, because of his focus on that, he looked at the basic building block of life, which was cell, cell growth and development, which is, involves differentiation. You know, cells, mm -hmm. if they, they're programmed yeah. to become a certain thing, in their development towards becoming what they can be, they continue to differentiate from an undifferentiated state to a state where they have a very specific function in they our specialize. body. They, they yeah, specialize. They specialize, yeah. They specialize. Yeah. So they become our heart, or they become an eye, or they mm -hmm. divide to become part of our, you know, our stomach, our intestinal tract. I mean, you know, when you think about the design and engineering of the human being it's 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 mind-blowing when you think about all of the program like if programmers had to program that on a computer it would be a lifetimes and lifetimes of trying to get that code together and yet that happens to us automatically right it's just who we are but so that's where he brought this ideas in from this idea concept of of differentiation in biology and he applied it to psychology is that my god that what happens is is that when we're born into a family that we're born into we're born with an undifferentiated state and we will be differentiated 
according to how differentiated our parents are and the culture is that we're born into. Okay. Which, which is bad news. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. The family is the organism. That's right. He, he called okay. it, he even called it a family ego mass, trying to still relate. Later on, he turned, changed the term to nuclear family, mm -hmm. but he was still connected to the psychoanalytic idea of an ego, right? Mm -hmm. And he called it a family ego mass, which is like this, 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 this. It sounds like a, a really scary diagnosis. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, like <laughs> we, could, we, could, we were talking about shark natos. We could do it. You go massive nato. I'm just, I'm just thinking. I'm, I'm, unfortunately, if I go to the doctor and they say, "I'm sorry, but we've, 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 we've mask, discovered right? a, an ego mask," and you know, and I, my wife would go like, "Well, no surprise there." It's like you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, really, we just probably came up with a new diagnosis. Actually, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's an ego mask. Can't we're gonna. Have, maybe we can just do surgery suffer from me <laughs> undifferentiated it's got to be an undifferentiated okay, that's ego right. that's right. differentiated ego mass functions much differently it's a bit what we were talking about last night in the in the the thursday night group where where, where people think that to say don't take something personally becomes i don't care with differentiation for lack of a better way to say it, you care better more effectively that's exactly that creates a, a much better space right for a healthier connection to another human right. being right because that's what we're really talking about then he goes on to say for me differentiation involves the ability to remain in an um, to remain an emotionally contained entity okay an emotionally contained entity an ece <laughs> An emotionally contained entity while in the middle of emotional chaos. <laughs> I love that. You remain in emotional well, yeah, the, the sort of the calm in the within the store. Right? Yeah. Wow. While still relating actively to every person in the field. So that's where it's, there's no distancing. You're still connected. You're still in relationship to. You're not breaking the relationship. You're staying connected to the person. Right. And 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 to do that. You have to be able to support yourself because as soon as I'm dependent on you, then what's going to happen is I'm going to, to try to control and regulate how you behave mm -hmm. instead of just, you know, accepting that you are who you are and to deal with that, right? Instead of me trying to control you, you know, it's me being in relationship to you. Well, and one of the things I would want to make, 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 clear and kind of re-emphasize you know for for uh listeners or readers of your book is is that that um you know because we tend to we tend to be uh, kind of critical not kind of we tend to be pretty critical of ourselves and 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 turn on ourselves with this stuff it's when we're doing that what you're saying if i'm trying if the kind of control we're talking about there for the most part or not always but but it's most part is an unconscious process and the 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 intention behind it though mis misguided is t t for me to be okay I'm really trying to be okay. It's like, so part of what, you know, if we're selling something here, it's like, there's a better way to be okay. Yeah. It's like, we're not, we're not, it's not just about, you know, yeah, it, it has to do with, with, you know, catching where we have messed up, where we have made mistakes in relationships and we need to change some things, even make amends, things like that. But for the most part, this is a, this is about improving ourselves. Yeah. This is about, this is about getting better at, at getting our own needs met. So that and which makes us more 
more impactful, more effective in wor- working with other people. I mean, I mean, you don't have to be do, do this for a living to have that. But it's like the truth is the better we take care of ourselves as you know, as therapists, the better we are for the people that we try to help. I kind of quoted Didi, my wife, before about that, where she calls that positive selfishness, you know, self self-focus that not only doesn't harm another person, it actually benefits other people. I was going to ask him, how does one stay um, independent in a relationship, but and yet present? Good question. So Mm -hmm. let me I was going to I was going to say this. So so let me define self-support or give an example. Good. If I'm supporting myself, I'm able to state my conviction and my belief calmly without attacking the belief of others and without defending myself without having to state it in a way that is oppositional to That's someone right. else's belief. Yeah, so that would be self-support. You see that I'm clear about what I want. I'm clear about what's going on and what's happening. So I think, did I give the, the example? I think I did. I gave the example about the hamburgers and cooking the hamburgers. Did I share that in one of our shows, Patrick? Does that ring a bell? No, I don't think you have yet. Oh, this is the burger on hamburgers. Burger. Sorry. <laughs> the other day, typically at home, I, I do more of the cooking than Jess. Mm-hmm. Um, God bless her. She's a great mom, but she did not develop much of an ability to cook food that is consumable. So <laughs> I she's, think most her, She's a scientist. Come on. I know. <laughs> she, I think that's what happens. <laughs> She gets way too into the science of the whole thing, and then, and and, and I go into the taste of it, right? So I, I typically cook things. The other thing is, she comes out of a family where her dad's a medical doctor and her mom's a nurse. So part of the problem with her cooking is she's so concerned about undercooked food because it'll get you sick. And in her family, there was a big focus on identifying every physical threat and preparing for them germs right bacteria mm-hmm. viruses i mean scientists know, they're, the all scientists. they're all scientists absolutely they're all scientists yeah all right. so so i was out i i think cc and i were blowing leaves or doing something outside we were having some fun and playing and i had to take care of a few things so i wasn't able to get dinner cooked and, and some i think i had to speak at a meeting that night so I, I, oh yeah, it was at Monday night. I was going to be speaking at a meeting. So I, I had a bit of a time crunch. So she said, I'll go ahead and cook dinner. And we were going to have hamburgers that day. Mm-hmm. Well, I like my burger medium rare. Mm-hmm. I like to have that red meat in the middle. Mm-hmm. Now, red meat to Jess says, I'm going to die of some kind of a poisoning in this hamburger. So for her, it's like, Keep it away from me, right? So so she's cooking. I'm outside, and I come in, and she and Maddie are sitting down to eat, and Cece and I go to eat, and I go to get a burger. Mm-hmm. And there was this thing on the plate. It must have been a hamburger at one point in time. I'm not sure what it was cooked to look like at this point, but it wasn't the burger I wanted, and mm-hmm. I was looking forward to just – taking a mm-hmm. bite of and feeling that red juicy meat <laughs> just drool down my face run down my face and then lick it off right it was but some she, kind of a disc i don't think there was any flavor left in the goddamn thing right it had gotten cooked out so 
I looked at this and I said, look, honey, in the future, what I'd appreciate is if you cook a burger for me, cook it medium rare. And I said it, I think, very calmly, right? And stating clearly what I want. She goes, I am so sick and tired of this. I mean, all I get is criticism about how I cook. Damn it, you know, I can't do anything right, according to you. I can't cook right, so I'm just not going to cook anymore. You know, you should just do all the cooking. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, trying to contain myself, I said, I'm asking you for what I'd like. If you don't want to do that, you can tell me you're not interested in cooking to my specifications. And then I would simply say, I'll cook it. You don't need to do it. I'll, I'll throw it on when I get in the house. But what I'm not going to, I'm, what I'm not okay with right now is that when I tell you what I want, you turn it into that I'm criticizing you and therefore I should shut up. And I'm not going to be silenced because you're taking what I'm doing critically. You know, I appreciate the effort you put in. I see what you tried to do to help and cooperate tonight. I That's not missed on me in any way, and I want you to know I see that. But I'm not going to silence myself and not say what I want because worry about whether you're going to take offense at it or not. And so she looked at that for a minute, and then I said, look, and this is in front of Maddie and Cece. I said, Really think about it, Jess. Is the message that you want to send to the kids that they need to, to not speak up for what they want out of fear that somebody might feel criticized if they say what they want? Is that how you want them growing up? I said, look, I know some of the stuff you struggled with in your family, and I know that went on more than you really liked that you got shut down a lot in this stuff. And so I don't think that's the message. It's sure not the message I want the kids. I want them to say whatever they want, and if somebody else has an issue with it, then that other person can deal with that issue with it. I said, just think about that. I don't need an answer from you right now. I'm gonna go cook my burger. So I went in the other room, and I cooked my burger. And I held, I supported myself. Now, a couple times I got a little bit more intense in it, you know, when I felt like she was trying to, what I felt, be silenced. You know, I shouldn't be asked, saying what I want, that kind of stuff. And I overrode that, and I, and I felt so good. I can't tell you. At the end of that connection, in the end of that transaction, I, I should say, I really felt like I did a great job holding on to myself. Later on that night, she came to me and she said, you were right. She goes, you're just telling me what you wanted, and I don't ever want the kids to feel that they can't speak up for themselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in, that was her way of saying I'm sorry, you know, mm -hmm. for what went on. I said, look, I'm, I appreciate that. You know, from my side, I felt good about the fact that, that I wasn't going to be silenced, and I think it was important mm -hmm. for the kids to hear that part of it. So to me, that was an example, and, and it's it was such a moment to celebrate because I'm – Often not that clear on it, and not that mm -hmm. you know well. Well, it takes, you, you, you think about yeah. Hindsight gives you you get clearer later, and then you come back and say, "This but is what I wish I'd said." But, but you actually but in that moment there was no yeah. afterwards. There was no thought about I wish I would have, right? None it, none at all. I you know I might the only thing I wish I would have said is I'd like also you to know, cook the burger medium rare and have more sex with me. But mm -hmm. I, I thought. <laughs> 
a good therapist might say let's 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 table that and we'll, we'll do you know we'll, we'll do probably, that yeah. different. sometimes it's good when we don't say what's out of <laughs> that's right well actually that's an interesting point because one of the things that you're tell me if i get this right one of the things that you you're doing here and i this is about this falls in that category of that term that terminology that i love that you use that you said you called it uh, i remember the first time you ever used it i wasn't sure what it was and and i love it it's like it's it's holding on to yourself stand up for yourself you win when you stand against others you lose it's yeah. it's like yeah and it's like that's what i was hearing in, with that but the other thing is when i when i identify with a lot because um that you know the when something you know when you get to that place there's a lot of energy in me that that is there to you know and part of it is reflecting on our basically it comes from reflecting on our history i think i think you and i probably have this in common where in order to be able to pull this off what we need to do is manage our own energy yeah. so that so we're like and what i heard you saying is is you know the if we were if we could like if we had a film of the the intrapersonal process while you're doing that you you've got you've got guys at the board you know pulling stuff back it is a thing where you can apologize for how you said something without apologizing for what you're saying yeah. you can you, you you know it's like a we're going to go back and take over but it sure works better in this in that example what you're talking about is because you held on to yourself through that process you stood with yourself for yourself and and uh you know including the fact that basically they're making it clear that there is no there is no expectation that you have that she has to agree with you about cooking your hamburger that's right it's like that's you right. can you can actually say you know you know i, I don't want to do that i don't i'm not very good at that it's like you know I, I'm, I'm a scientist i don't want to kill my husband you know with with, with raw meat it's like <laughs> I'll just kill him with burnt meat. No. <laughs> no. And by the by the way, tell Jess when I come to your house, I want her to cook my burgers. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, like that's my, my no no, that's all my right, burger. Right. I don't I don't want that one you have. Uh, I, I want Jess cooking mine. You know, I've uh in my relationship, I think that I am often guilty of behaving in the way that Jess did in that anecdote because mm -hmm. I'm a people pleaser and um I don't always take it as well when uh you know, I sincerely, when I, when I miss my mark and what I'm trying to do, you know, and it could be something as uh, banal as what we're cooking. I think we've even had arguments about like, I'll pick a restaurant and then the meal, the, the food isn't uh, to spec of what she likes. And I take it personally, she didn't make it the way you liked it. And so probably her initial anger, right. Was like, a little bit anger at herself, right? For not being able to get it right. I don't think so. It was anger at me. Oh, it was. Okay. <laughs> it was totally anger at me. Uh, you're just, you're too demanding and stuff like that. But you, but look, it two, two things come up here. And then I want to bring it back to the no one is coming. So the first thing is, is that, um, and I've, I've lost the two things now that I've said, there's two of things you. here. So mm -hmm. of course that happens at this age. The two things are, uh, one is, is that um, every conflict, every struggle like that is obviously it's the subject is not the subject. Right. So what is the subject? The subject is how much togetherness and separation or individuality is going to exist in the relationship. So those struggles are negotiating 
the amount of individuality and togetherness we're going to have. Mm -hmm. Follow me? So if the pressure is you've got to feel the same way I am, you've got to just appreciate whatever I put on the table and be grateful for it, that's that togetherness is emphasized. What you want and how you feel is not important. You have to just appreciate what, what you get. Do you follow me? Right. So that's now the other side of it is, is, is how much individuality, you know, and certain things might be, well, I'm going to do this and, you know, and, and I'm not going to pay attention to what anybody else wants. And I'm just going to do this my way and I'm going to cook it this way. And I don't care what anybody else feels. That's too much separateness or individuality. Mm -hmm. What we've talked about is that emotional sobriety, and Bill Wilson even said it, is balance. Mm -hmm. You balance the individuality or the separateness in the relationship with the togetherness. And that's what Tom was saying. When I stand for myself, I'm not standing against togetherness. I am just defining myself. Mm -hmm. And the more room there is for our separateness, the 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 more the better quality togetherness we're gonna have. And mm -hmm. everybody needs to hear this. Separateness is not a disruption of connection, it is another dimension of it. And if we understand it that way, then we can embrace it and not get the anxiety that says, my God, if you don't think the same way about me, then we're, we can't have a good relationship. Right. And a lot of us, that's unconscious on our part, this anxiety about, my God, if, if there's too much individuality, we're going to have no togetherness. So we all better think alike. I mean, we right. all better think the same way. And that kills, that's why so many relationships die on the vine. What we're asking ourselves is if when there's a when there's a conflict with that is what meaning am i attaching to this you know it, because it's like that's the what i remember being in couples therapy you know with with uh with d and 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 saying you know and, and basically saying you know to the therapist look i've asked her to do this i've asked her to do this and, and she doesn't do this and, and so so she's just saying fuck you to me you know and and so, and that's what it felt like. It felt like it was, I mean, talk about the, the most personal. It was like, you know, and, and I had a wonderful therapist. Her name is Mary Elizabeth. Uh, and she, she had nice wheels on her chair and she would, she would often roll up close to me in the, in the, you know, in the session. And, and I remember her just saying, and, and it's based on a lot of, a lot of relationship we have, but she said, that's not what it means. That's not what she's saying. I remember saying, well, how do you know? And she, and she said, because I checked. She said, I've talked to Dee Dee. And Dee Dee was right there. She looked at her again. She said, are you saying fuck you to Tom? And Dee Dee goes, no, absolutely not. And, you know, and the challenge was for me in that moment is to believe him. You know, rather than sit there and defend, you know, I, you know, no, no. And because the old me, you know, out is just fucking survival. It's just it's an old defense. You know, it's like it's not going to get me anywhere positive in the relationship to win that argument that my wife is saying, fuck you. It's like that's not a good thing. And the truth is, she wasn't. I still don't understand it. You know, I still can feel offended if she doesn't do something that I, she knows. That, but it's like what I know is and believe completely is the meaning I have attached to it is not accurate. Makes all the difference in the world. You know, what's hard for me is um, when you describe, Alan, um, 
going to the other room and kind of waiting out the storm in those hours that pass until you end up having the resolution conversation with her. Mm-hmm. I think that that's not an important thing to observe mm-hmm. in these conflicts. Well, too, but let me say this to you. I wasn't waiting. I was mm-hmm. resolved. Mm-hmm. So that's the other important thing is when I see when I take care of myself that way, I don't need her to agree with me. I don't even need her to say, I see it, whatever. If she does, great. That's wonderful. But it's not a requirement. As soon as I said what I needed to say, and when I stood for myself, and especially when I cooked that burger, and I ate that burger just the way I wanted to, I was fine. There was no more, there wasn't a need for her to do anything. But see, if I'm still dependent on her, then I need for her to come back and resolve it with me. So let's circle back to two things. I remembered the second thing, and then I want to go back to no one is coming. So what Tom just said was so important. See, if I'm interacting with my partner, one of the issues, you know, our consciousness can either be horizontal or vertical. Meaning, if I'm relating to you right now, here and now, we're in a horizontal connection, right? Right. I'm right here, you're right here, we're talking about what's going on now. If in that situation, what I was felt good about, and I've been working on this in my personal therapy, is I didn't go to here and, and, and the past, here and then is what I call it. If I went here and then, then my wound about not being listened to and not feeling like there was any interest in my needs and my feelings when I was a young man, a young boy, would have surfaced and I would have thrown a fit and gotten angry. Because that's how I dealt with that before. That young self, I've been taking care of. So he's not showing up so much in my relationship with Jess anymore because I'm handling him. I'm not looking for her to take care of him. Yep. So this becomes an important thing is what Tom was saying that, that really, that ties into exactly what you were talking about, Tom, is that mm-hmm. these things from our past are going to surface. My job to deal with those. And when the no one is coming part is no one is coming to heal my childhood wounds, mm-hmm. to take care of my childhood longings, to need, mm-hmm. meet my infantile needs that were not met when I was a child. Mm-hmm. That's my work to do. And when I put that on my partner, I'm now depending on her. I'm expecting yeah. her to show up and reverse the experience I had in the past. Right. And that's, and that's, I, you know, I yeah, and we don't necessarily. By the way, for listeners, we we don't necessarily know we're doing that, but it's no, like this. That's all yeah, 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 you yeah. Know, it's all out of our awareness. I mean, as you do the work, you become aware of it. See, that's part of this thing. I mm-hmm. can't get away with some of the games I used to play, and I'm right. thankful for that. You know, right. because when I start playing it, I go, "Oh yeah, there I go. I'm I'm expecting her to to take care of me again, and I'm or I'm looking for her support or her validation. I'm not giving mm-hmm. myself it." I can catch those things today, but Patrick, this is so important because it, in every relationship, this is going to happen. And how a couple struggles with that is also going to determine the health of the relationship. So that ties in into no one is coming. You see, when I don't, when I don't meet my needs, then I'm going to project them into the world and expect 
you or the world to meet my needs. If I'm so disappointed as a child and that's a trauma for me, I'm going to expect my future that everything is going to go my way. Mm -hmm. And then that becomes an expectation. And then I, I, it's unconscious. I don't know it is. But I do know I'm suffering when things don't go my way. Whether it feels like an expectation or you're not, if you don't know that you have the capacity and the responsibility for self-support yes. and it, it begins there, it's, it's like you're regardless of what you think is an expectation, you're going to be you know, we all we all are programmed. Talk about going back to the original program of, of, of our human nature. We're all programmed to try to get our needs met. If my internal processes, I don't see that as an option for that, which I would did not used to see myself as the source of, of any of that. I am going to be trying to get that from other people, from other situations. And, and I am going and I'm going to be constantly <laughs> disappointed, hurt, feeling injured, not being in the present tense, just leaning so far forward uh, off balance. We may have different language that we've used through the years with our clients, but we find these places where we we, we have done see things similarly. It's like what I'll tell people about inner child work is, I, you know, I say eventually you get to the place where you go like we have bad, bad news and good news. And, and it's the same news. And that is you're the one. Okay. You're, you're, you know, you're the, you're the one who's going to do this. It's like, so it's, it's sort of like, it really is like, nobody's coming other than you now, by the way, the, because the other part is what we're saying to people is come on. It, it's, it's a tough love message. Step up, man. You, you, you gotta, you're going to do this. You know, you have to, do, you know, if you're going to get through, you know, it's like, if you're going to get through those, those, ex, those experiences, if you're going to walk through even just the conversation, you know, about the burger that you're talking about it is like, the idea is you, you, that, that's a person who's taking responsibility for themselves. And the reason it's not unresolved. And I, and boy, I identify with that part. You were talking about uh, Patrick of, of waiting, you know, that, that anxious waiting. It's like, like, uh, but the idea is, I also know you well enough, Alan, to know that that whether, you know, do, I don't know exactly how conscious that process was, but, you know, your system involves a checklist, a checking uh, uh, to be sure, you know, you, you know, if there are things that you screwed up there, a few things that were out of bounds for you, that basically that in the, in what it is, is it's not about did I upset somebody else? It did. I did. I step outside my own value system. Yeah, that's right. You know, because if I do that, then I have a problem. If I don't, it's now I, I may not like the fact that my wife is upset with me right now. That's that's fine. It's like like, but I don't feel I don't feel shame for what how you know what I have done or how I've said it. I feel like no, I I have done that inside my own my that's my best effort. I feel good about that. It's like let that you know is that your final answer? Yeah, let that ride. You know the grievances and resentments. Um, I feel like that's the thing that not even just in emotional sobriety, but in recovery that, uh, you know, I, those need to be, what would, would you say they need to be put to the side before a lot of this work can begin or there at least, at least needs to be a parsing of no, those no, things. What, you got you got to process those because underneath mm -hmm. every grievance and resentment is this issue. And when you start to unpack those things and look at what is this grievance and resentment all about, you're going to find an unenforceable rule. You're going to find an expectation. You're going to probably find some emotional trauma from your childhood that relates to all this. Look, back, back, to, back to the question. What meaning am I attaching to this? That's exactly yeah. it. Is it what meaning am I giving to this experience I'm having? And just because I 
I am assigning this meaning, it doesn't mean that that's what it means to the other person. Right. <laughs> and I've got to understand. And that's where, if I'm undifer undifferentiated, I think, well, this is how it is, and now that's how it is. And I think that's how it has to be for everybody. you got to think my way. Yep. And that becomes a real, real, real problem in relationships. Yeah. But what yep. I was going to, you know, what I was going to say is that, is that, you know, the meaning, you know, is going to be colored by my unmet needs, the way that I'm looking at the world, the kind of connection I have about it. And, you know, like we said, I'm going to expect my present to reverse the, the trauma of my past. The other thing that, that impacts our, the meaning is our fears. A weird way we try to protect ourselves unconsciously is go ahead and go to worst case scenario and expect it. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and people go like, well, how does that protecting yourself? It's, it's sort of like it's like me laying down on the floor and just saying, well, from here, I don't have very far to fall. You know, it's 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 like it's it's like, uh, yeah, I'm working with a couple right now where we're, we're one of the one of the couple there's a the relationship. We'll do just that. We'll just go to the most negative thing. It's not because he wants it to be negative. Yeah. He wants quite the opposite. But it's it's like it, it feels that's what feels and it feels familiar to him because of what you're saying is because it fits his past, his family life early on in his life perfectly. Yeah. I, I was just going to say before is that um, one of uh, one of the authors that I've really enjoyed reading through the years. In fact, I went to the Meadows and and did a workshop with her was Pia Melody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she wrote um, that one book about codependence. I can't remember the exact title of it right now. But, you know, in her lecture, when she was giving her talk on that, when I was there, she goes, and it's an for it's, I have two thoughts about it. It's great that that term got so popularized. But what happened is, is they thought they were discovering something new. Hmm. Codependence, right? Yeah, her, yeah, her, yeah. All that. And when you look at it, and I hope I've been able to contribute this to the discussion in, in the field, is when you look at it, people were talking about emotional dependence way before we put the label on it as codependence. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Pia says, he she believes that all codependence is a result of a trauma in our childhood, an unresolved trauma. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I don't think it's the whole deal. But I think that there's a lot of truth to what she is saying about that. And many, many other people before her said the same thing, like Lowen and 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 many other folks said, my God, these traumas happen to us. And then we start to develop a whole set of expectations about how life is supposed to be to reverse the experience of that trauma. Because in the metaphor here, the various versions of our inner child, because we have inner children, not inner child. It's like, you know, are absolutely persistent. At, yeah. at, at wanting these needs met. And so the idea is, and I think this is, I don't think this is really different from what, you're, what Pia was saying with that is, is the idea that, that the way I describe it for people sometimes is, is that, that at any, you know, and, 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 you know, some, some, some deficits are bigger than others. Some are more impactful than others. And, and you know, some, some, some things are, are more traumatic, will feel more traumatic than others, but, but where there are unmet needs, a part of that inner child, talk about fragmentation, a part of that inner child sets up camp and just waits, 
you know, because that's what we see when we start doing therapy with people. We could go. We, you know, I always tell this time travel. I said, we'll go back together and we're going to find the various aspects of of your childhood where where the child is, is still waiting for certain needs to be met. And we've and, th- and this fits into the, the theme today perfectly, because because, of course, what is that child when we interview the child? What the child wants is for the parents to to uh, to, to meet those needs. And so we, we say to the child, of course, you want your mom and dad to do that. It's like it, it, we understand that. And, and again, bad news, good news for the child. The, the good news is we're going to meet the needs. Yeah. The bad news is they're not going to do it. I am only when we respect those needs rather than try to put them aside, diss them, whatever. Integrating. Integrating. That's it. Yeah. We're doing the Humpty Dumpty therapy. That's right. It's right. You called us that the other day. It's great. So, so look, I and I just want to emphasize one other point before we wrap up our show today is what we're looking at is adaptation. And that's what we call where we don't focus on pathology. Right. Because the way you hear no. Tom and I talk about things is is we are an amazing species. Our ability to adapt to what's going on is phenomenal and we are always adapting to remain as whole as possible given the circumstances that we're confronted with and the resources available mm-hmm. so in biology this is how adaptation is defined and just think about this psychologically because it fits perfect adaptation is defined as the evolutionary process whereby an organism becomes better able to live and its habitat or habitats. An organism becomes better able to live in its habitat or habitat. Well, that's what we had to do growing up. We had to find a way to adapt to what was going on to live as best as we could, given what was available. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's why I my my faith in the human and human beings is phenomenal because I believe that we're constantly adapting this way and growing and that we can do this our whole life. And hopefully what we're sharing with you guys will help you on that journey. Uh, it was wonderful being here with you guys and being here in Nebraska. I'm excited mm-hmm. about sharing tonight with uh, all of these folks in recovery. We'll look forward to hearing about that uh, in our next recording. Tell Nebraska hello. Great to see you guys. Until next week. Peace out. Tend your life. Tinge your myth Cultivate your narrative With whomever you're with Then with glass in hand And children on one knee Bring some stories Bring your stories Back to me It ain't a crime To be a human Never be ashamed To be yourself Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on me Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me